I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, and this is Rendering Unconscious. Today's episode is a talk given by Alkistis Demek from the first Psychoanalysis Art and the Occult Conference held in London in 2016. Her talk is called Dynamics of the Occulted Body. Alkistis Demek is a writer and artist working principally with dance and the body. With Peter Gray, she is the co-founder of Scarlet Imprint, a book publishing company. Her practice is grounded in Bouteau. Her work explores the occulted dimensions of the body, its subtle anatomy and sexuality as an archeology span of the flesh drawing from the esoteric and phenomenological traditions and seeks to unfold a process and technique of body spiritual transformation. Her collected works selected from 2008 to 2018 are documented in the brazen vessel. Visit scarletimprint.com for more. That's S-C-A-R-L-E-T-I-M-P-R-I-N-T dot com. Collected papers from the first Psychoanalysis Art in the Occult Conference are available as the Fenris Wolf, Volume 9, available from Chapar Publishing. Visit the publisher's website, chapar.net, that's T-R-A-P-A-R-T dot net. Rendering Unconscious the Book is also available through Chapar. Rendering Unconscious Psychoanalytic Perspectives, Politics, and Poetry. Before we begin, I just have a couple of announcements. This call for papers has been sent to me from the journal Psychoanalysis, Culture, and Society, Women's Bodies, Reproductive Rights, and Self-Determination. In light of Wade versus Roe in the USA and attempts to curtail abortion rights for anyone with a uterus in several countries around the world, often characterized by an authoritarian and theocratic backlash on liberalism, psychoanalysis, culture, and society is inviting short, pithy reflections on women's bodies, reproductive rights, and self-determination in the current socio-political climate. They are interested to hear from activists, academics, artists, and psychotherapists of different generations, and they welcome submissions of up to 1,000 words, including prose, poems, and original artwork. All submitted works must have an explicit psychoanalytic component. Please submit to Psychoanalysis, Culture, and Society Counterspace section by the 15th of September, 2022. They aim to publish the responses in the first issue of 2023. You can contact Dr. Lara Shiha at Dr. Lara Shiha at gmail.com. That's D R L A R A S H 
E-E-H-I at gmail.com or Angie Voella at avoella at U-E-L dot A-C dot U-K. That's A dot V-O-E-L-A at U-E-L dot A-C dot U-K. Links to everything can be found in the text accompanying this episode. Visit renderingunconscious.org for links and more information. Also, the next psychoanalysis art in the occult event as part of the Morbid Anatomy online series is coming up on July 17th. That's the Atavistic Network by Charlotte Rogers. And I will be presenting alongside Charlotte with Necromancy, working with blood and adopted ancestors in art and magic. For links and more information, you can visit psychartcult.org or morbidanatomy.org slash events. I'm a dancer, my body is the material for my art, and movement is my practice, it's an obsession. Movement arises mysteriously at the very source of life, and before even a self forms. Buta, which translates as dance steps, is unique amongst dance forms, perhaps most markedly in the way movement is discovered or evoked in the dancer, who is continuously engaged in pushing body and psyche into the elements, the wilderness or borderlands, where one encounters oneself as a stranger, as enemy, ancestor, animal, as elemental force, as a shape dredged from the primal ocean. Buddha is engendered by the living body confronting death. As one of my teachers, the late great Koma Rambushi wrote, the smell of the corpse makes life stand out, stand out desperately. The origin of Bhutto is in the intensity of this dance. End quote. We are born to this visceral and vital struggle, becoming aware that it is a dance in time. It is the dance. The other side of my practice is as a magician, and I work principally with Babylon and a retinue of spirits which um, for me is the Guisha principally. Uh, <coughs> with Babylon, one is entirely immersed in, in a, a work of engaging with the flesh of the world, with one's own flesh. It's a completely carnal exploration of being alive to the, the fullest experience of this. So I have the two uh, bipolar aspects of your life, and death and sex and everything going on. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's kind of where my practice comes from and the sabbatic dances are to do with this um, intersection. Uh, what do I mean by the occulted body? In the first place it is the body, the essential body that is ignored or lost or forgotten or, or pushed aside or overwritten. But also, more specifically, I equate the occulted body with what is anatomically hidden in the dark, what the philosopher, phenomenologist, and former dancer Maxine Sheets Johnston calls our bodily insides. 
That is, what is accessible to us only through the dark senses, touch, kinesthesia, proprioception, all what lies below the threshold of sensory awareness, such as those processes associated with your autonomic nervous system. In Buddha, there's a concept called um, Nikutai, which is the body of flesh, the body of desire, and this is also part of it. It's the body that contains all your memories and your wishes, your desires. Um, this is where the, uh, the idea of the interior landscape is and the world of images. The occult body is possessed of its own selfhood, it has autonomy, it is autopoetic, it is conscious. It is a dynamic living body. Kinetic processes cycle at every level of its organism, from the molecular and neural to the gestural, and at every level inherit in its environment and interrelations. Furthermore, these movements are in no way mechanistic or motoric. They exhibit autonomy and coherence across the entire spectrum of being what the biophysicist Maya Wan Ho described as organized heterogeneities or dynamic structure on all scales. The occulted body is the source of the body consciousness or ground consciousness from which arises psyche and a subject or ego. Freud in the ego and the id acknowledged the ego is first and foremost a bodily ego. The body is the mother of language, our pre-linguistic mother tongue, the primal voice of movement. Movement is essential to tactility, to proprioception and the kinesthetic sense. An organism or a body's incessant motion gives rise to its proprioceptive, its kinesthetic and tactile consciousness. As the foundation of the sensorium and affectivity, the moving body is fundamental to, but also generative of gnosis. Aristotle recognized how fundamental movement is to life. Um, he calls it um, the kineesthesis in De Anima, that is the sensus communis or the common sense. Uh, it's the primary faculty of perception as it unifies all the senses and underpins an organism's self-awareness or apperception. Aristotle ascribes to the kineesthesis the ability to discriminate or judge and as such we can link it to understanding. This sense that understanding is something which is submerged and, and innate, like intuition. Uh, I just wanted also to emphasize the, the importance of discrimination and this, this body consciousness to our ability to discriminate and judge. For me, uh, to dance is to initiate myself into the body's mysteries again and again, to know myself in the process of becoming and to know the world in its becoming, immersing myself in the experience of flesh. Here is the place of inquiry, a repository of ancestral wisdom and accumulated experience. The human body and the human voice have a phenomenal capacity for mimesis. This capacity emerged from our primate ancestry, but with bipedality came an enhanced potential for mimetic expression. The upright body is freed to elaborate an ingenious proto-language of gesture and movement. At the same time, vocal expression achieves a hitherto unheard power, subtlety and range, as the apparatus of breathing and eating are modified and mastered and give voice to the inner life of the creature. One can even see this shift in the eye, with the hand and the erect phallus, the symbol, the primal symbol of power, both mundane and magical. The eyes of primates do not speak. They are dark, obtuse. The human eye, by contrast, is agile and curious. 
The pupil flashes in its milky orb. It has intent. It hungers. It misleads or blinds. It undresses. It intimates, giving glimpses of the interior. One can make an entire dance with the eyes alone, for, like bodies, they are highly expressive, communicating kinetically and resonant to the hidden regions of soma and psyche. Our enhanced mimetic faculty is the bedrock of human culture. It is the ground for iconicity, representation, for analogical and symbolic thinking, and for the emergence of language. It is an ambivalent aptitude. The evolution of an expansive, rich and fluid lingua franca composed of sound, sign, single, signal, gesture, song and dance, elaborated in play and ritual, enabled communication with peers, with neighbours and strangers, and with an entire ecology of spirits, ancestors, flora and fauna, sharing a common habitat, a single social field which is vibrantly animist in character. But the shared habitat is a place of conflict and survival in which we, as predator and prey, occupied and exploited a distinctive niche. With mimesis came a refined potential for deception, for cunning. Mimicry is a critical skill for the hunter. It is predicated on a hypersensitive awareness to one's environs, the ability to read its signs or to listen to its utterances, and to the transmission of this art through imitation and reenactment, through ritual. Vocal mimicry in particular was used to lure prey. Almost universally, animals cannot detect the intent behind a signal. They cannot fake. They do not participate in the lie knowingly, subtly, as humans do. And exceptions to this are rare, like um, and striking corvids or parrots and cephalopods, and they have a, a, a dangerous reputation. They're considered supernatural creatures for showing these qualities. <laughs> Both the human voice and the human body are protean in their transformative potentials. This archaic protean quality is what draws me as a dancer and a magician to ceaselessly explore the body's mystery and power. It is a quality that manifests most remarkably in the body's fascia a coherent web of tensile strength that constantly renews and transforms itself in response to movement. I consider the fascia, the connective tissue, to be the physiological substrate of consciousness. The dense penumbral form of the occulted body corresponds to the unconscious and finds in the fascial web its genetrix and its matrix. The fascia is the largest organ in the body. It's a dynamic web of connective tissue that structures, binds and supports. It's present throughout the body, interpenetrating and surrounding muscles, bones, nerves and blood cells. In fact, all the cells in a body are interconnected through the connective tissue. Fascia can be grouped into three main types. Superficial, which is associated with the skin, it's the level just beneath your skin. Um, deep, which is associated with muscles, bones, nerves and blood vessels, and the visceral, which comprises all the tissues and membranes covering the organs and uh, lining the cavities within the body. The deep fascia particularly richly innovate, innovated with sensory receptors that communicate the presence of pain or changes in movement and pressure and vibration in uh, the chemical milieu of the body and fluctuations in temperature. It forms the bones, it supplies the body with blood from the marrow, and it conveys nutrients and energy. It is essential to healing and to regeneration. 
It's intrinsically connected in its most deepest essence with movement. It's um, when you're in the womb, your fascia becomes what, what you are by moving and, um, as you grow. And it's continually throughout your life responsive to habitual movements. It, it, it makes your shape, basically, by what you do. Um, it is a medium through which our inner environment interacts with the outer, so it's very, it has this liminal quality, it's a, an interstitial thing, because the deepest parts of you are always in communication with everything outside you through this, and vice versa. It's the organ, therefore, of knowledge par excellence, what else? The complex functions and phenomenal properties of connective tissue, indeed, the body as a whole, is due to its liquid crystalline composition, which underlies the electromagnetic body and its subtle anatomy. The liquid crystalline structure of the living body, which had been predicted by Joseph Needham as early as 1935, was confirmed through the research of Dr. Mai Wan Ho. Her fascinating inquiry into the quantum biophysics of living organisms is documented in a wonderful book called The Rainbow in the World, and in many papers that you can find on her website. Um, I'll quote from one to give a precise of the significance of liquid crystallinity to corporeal consciousness. There is a dynamic liquid crystalline continuum of connective tissues and extracellular matrix linking directly into the equally liquid crystalline cytoplasm in the interior of every single cell in the body. Liquid crystallinity gives organisms their characteristic flexibility, exquisite sensitivity and responsiveness, thus optimizing the rapid, noiseless intercommunication that enables the organism to function as a coherent, coordinated whole. In addition, the liquid crystalline continuum provides subtle electrical interconnections which are sensitive to changes in pressure, pH, and other physiochemical conditions. In other words, it is also able to register tissue memory. Thus, the liquid crystalline continuum possesses all the qualities of a body consciousness that may indeed be sensitive to all forms of subtle energy medicines. Her work has implications that are, uh, that are still to be played out in mainstream science, the social organization and the structure of politics, and in the occult, which I think is still very backward in how it thinks about things, especially, you know, etheric anatomy and energy and power in the West. It's sort of still rooted in a very 19th century backward view of this. Uh, for me, this confirmation of the body's essential fluidity, its unified dynamic coherence, has immediate import. It affirms the fundamentally moving nature of the living body to reveal a unified, coherent, dynamic matrix, which is simultaneously the source, the medium, and the field of physical form, and of psyche, that convulsive zone inhabited by a primordia of atavisms and archetypes. Um, my work in Buto, you find uh, that this body is also the space where the archetypes live and where images live. Um, it is like the place of iconicity. And um, with choreography or with uh, dance, you can put images into your body or you can discover them, they can they come out of your body when you're improvising. I, um, there's a nice quote from Jacques Monod from Chance and Necessity on this. Um, the depth of the body to contain an ancestral memory. Every living being is also a fossil. Within it, all the way down to the microscopic structure of its proteins, 
It bears the traces, if not the stigma, of its ancestry. I call the body the place of inquiry, in reference to the grave, Sheol is translated as the place of inquiry, and divination. For the body limbs and enfolds this occult world as the skin limbs and enfolds the senses. The matrix of connective tissue is the repository of our individual and ancestral memory. And I think it would be interesting to compare that with Freud's notion of the archaic heritage, which is like the phylogenetic inheritance that you come into the world with and can affect you. It's not simply the sort of experience you have with your parents. And also with um, Jung's description of archetypes as biological instinctual constellations, which was very suggestive to me as well, because I work a lot with the moon and with um, stars, the influence of the stars through the moon, like in lunar mansions, and to be able to situate this dynamic through the body, like from the within to the, the cosmic, is a very uh, useful tool to think about it. It is equally attuned the connective tissue to motion and emotion, which it registers and retains, submerged in and holographically distributed throughout the liquid crystalline continuum. This body memory, which is always oriented toward the future, that is to survival and evolution, is accessed directly through the living body. So, on to the revelation of the occulted body. Dance is an incessant resurrection and dissolution of forms, a perpetual revelation of force. As consciousness unfurls itself like the petals of a rose, awakening in the sensorium of our common humanity. The occulted body is exposed in the quality and the effect of movement, in the timbre or crane of the voice, and in its wake, latent images, dreams and visions surface from their visceral dwellings. It's with this body and this voice that I work, both in dance and in doing magic. Um, it's important to work from the ground up, so preliminary to beginning any uh, work session. And as part of my you know, warm-ups, I practice um, exercises which I collectively call choral techniques. It's, um, it was a term coined by Irene Romanescu and was elaborated by Nicola Tristar in reference to Byzantine liturgy. But it's crazy where you find material. Um, the term yeah, um, it originally uh, derives from Plato's concept of the horror as the mother and the receptacle of being. And he talks about it as having both a, a cosmological uh, reality, but also a reality in the body. He situates it in Timaeus, in the liver. But, um, and it is in the liver, and you can, this, the, these exercises affect also the liver, but it is also throughout the connective tissue, which seems to be like the most perfect expression of this this liminal space, this, this place that both holds you and contains everything, but somehow isn't, it's, it's just diffused, it's the, the space of being. Um, movements that rhythmically shake the body, trembling, thrashing, this uh, water body techniques of the Noguchi gymnastics, um, undulations and wave movements, exert a profound and direct influence on the connective tissue of this ground consciousness. The body will automatically shake or tremble in order to um, ward off trauma or to, to remove trauma from the body. And um, also you see this in orgasm and uh, in spontaneous movement of sexual energy throughout the body, that these shaking or these rhythmic uh, uh, things happen. And what this does is it's a kind of cleansing process, it's like the Sufi uh, polishing of the mirror. So you're cleaning your ability, you're, you're cleaning your visual. But not just the, 
but the, the inner side, the inner side is cleansed with this process, and it gives you a more direct access to, to a visionary state, um, the world of images, and and to, to, to express them as well, because it prepares the body, it softens the body. Um, it becomes receptive to the images that you put into it, but also to images that um, it turns up, like in the, the ocean churning. Um, these techniques also have a separating or discriminating effect, as in threshing. The chora is likened to, to threshing because of this rhythmic movement. And threshing is a very interesting concept for me because of my work with Babylon and the Goetia, particularly because of the apocalyptic essence of Babylon. And this discrimination, this casting away of what is unnecessary and the keeping of what is the essence or, or, or the, the seed that's precious, is, um, this, is, this is kind of my, my preparation to, to do any work, is to prepare my body for this day, but also to calm down afterwards, because uh, what I do is quite, it's like a working with crisis, so I put myself into a very uh, extreme physical state, but to get into it, it's very good to prepare like this and to get out of it, to, to wind down and, and release some of the, <laughs> the crisis from the body through, through these um, techniques. So, like, just... Always kind of... It's, it's a playing with tension. There's, like, a lot of... Uh, this, um, exp this the complete tension is, uh, like, the, the axis of death, where you're most tight, there's no movement. And uh, the opposite is like Babylon, which is like the, the, the complete explosive openness of like the sexual orgasm. So this is like a, an oscillating between these two states. And it's a very effective way to, to generate energy and power. And also you, can, you, you change the quality of the movement to get a different feeling and work with that. Um, the state, this puts you in as a state of heightened creativity. It's very volatile and generative. And so this is like the source this is the source state to begin work for, for dancing. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a talk by Alkistis Demek. For more, visit her website, scarletimprint.com. And check out the book, The Fenris Wolf, Volume 9, from Chapar. Available at chapar.net or wherever books are sold online. As always, you can follow me on social media at rawsin underscore. That's R-A-W-S-I-N underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Or at Dr. Vanessa Sinclair 23 at TikTok. And now... The Scarlet Woman Remix, a collaboration I did with Sambuca for the album Message 23, available at highbrowlowlife.bandcamp.com and streaming on Spotify, on iTunes, and other streaming services. Enjoy.
and have displayed in instruments and 
events, myths, me feel you, the pleasure, endless flow of, the addition of people, and instincts, and notion of convening, images were merely governing, obvious, but what is partial, the impasse, similar situation with which some of the ear, oral histories, upon opening the end of matter, see you again, years blinding, hand, you can also of the species so go, a way to take, splitting us apart into, is a one joined by, stronger, more unified everybody, you have with thee, likely been destiny, of leaders, satisfaction.